This podcast is brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. Yes, it is, mate. We are all done and dusted with the podcast royale now, and we are looking forward to Magic Round. We yeah. are. You know what that means? What does that mean, Josh? It means there's going to be thousands of people in the Caxton car park getting blokes down their throats. Thousands of people getting thousands of blokes down thousands of throats. It's going to be so fucking sick. Do you reckon there's ever been more blokes down blokes' throats? And women's throats as well In one place at one time Absolutely not Guinness, no. Guinness World Records were here They'd be breaking that record And there's not a place that I'd rather get a bloke down my throat Than the Caxton Car Park at Magic Round No, it's the greatest place to get a bloke down your throat So guys, if you want to get a bloke down your throat And you're not going to be at the Caxton Make sure you go to blokeatabar.com Put in your postcode on the store locator And find out where you can get some bloke Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Clutzy, have you heard about the brand new way to make money? No. Do you want to hear about it? Yes, please tell me more. It's a foolproof method. Foolproof? Yeah, foolproof, yeah. Foolproof is the word I'm looking for, method. Uh, It's called going to dominoes.com.au and entering the the code BBB2DL and getting two pizzas and two sides from $25 delivered. Oh, so you're basically getting it for free. You're basically getting it for free. You're basically making money at that price. They're giving it away. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why I haven't done it before. It's one of the fucking simplest life hacks I've ever I've ever come across in my life. Uh, do you want to tell the lovely people about their brand new pizza, the Philly cheesesteak? Oh my God, yes I do. The Philly cheesesteak. Now, for those who don't know what a Philly cheesesteak is, it's this glorious thing on a bun usually with uh, a bunch of nicely finely chopped up meat and just uh, capsicum peppers and cheese and Domino's have just gone wow we've heard klutzy talk about philly cheesesteaks way too many times so we've chucked it on a pizza so the big fella can just keep eating and eating and eating i've seen klutzy get very very excited over food plenty of times but i've never (laughs) seen him get as excited and as animated as the first time he tried the philly cheesesteak pizza so if you're out and about this weekend and you need your pizza fixed make sure you go to domino's uh try the philly cheesesteak pizza there's a host of codes which are pinned on our instagram and in our facebook group to give you a cheeky little discount too uh, plenty of different bundles so check them out and thank you to Domino's for supporting the show this week bloody brilliant beers bloody brilliant beers on the piss and welcome back to the Bloody Brilliant Beers podcast brought to you by Blue Bear. That's Clutch, I'm Darcy. We are the Bloody Brilliant Beers. We started out reviewing craft beers on Facebook and now we bring you the conversation that you'd more than likely hear from the front bar at your local. And Clutchy, where are we today, mate? Look, we're at the Caxton Hotel. We've got a little cuck that's in the building. He is um, sitting on the couch. Yeah. He's not on the podcast. He's just nah. sitting in the background when we record this little intro. Um, we are at the Caxton Hotel. This is our On The Piss podcast where usually we just sit around and talk shit. We've got a very, very special episode today. Fucking oath. Probably one of, I reckon, my favourite podcasts I've done to date. Yeah. Very, very interesting chat. We've had um, a couple of guests on in recent weeks. And yep. Both of them have been awesome chats. Yeah. Uh, both in the sporting sphere. But we had the fight dietitian, Jordan Sullivan, on and it was such a sick, sick chat. It was. It's a little bit different to our usual proceedings, but yeah, as Clutzy said, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. It's one of my favourite podcasts we've ever recorded. Um, I think I said it towards the end of the show, but I could have chatted to Geordie for hours. We touched on his work. 
uh, like how he got into his work, how he started his business, working with yeah. some UFC fighters and things like that, and also his passion, which is ultra marathon running, which yeah, is it's pretty crazy. Fucked. I think it's also like um, I sort of stumbled my way through it, but. Geordie shows that if you really want to fucking do something, you just got to persist with it. Yep. I know there's like a lot of, we've got a younger audience, a lot of younger people out there. You're probably going through uni and shit. And you're not really sure what you want to do. There might be something that's your dream job and just fucking stick to it because what this bloke has been able to do is dead set incredible. Absolutely. And it's only just the start. So without further ado, we'll uh, get into the chat. Thanks for the support and we hope you enjoy the show. Righto, Frothies, we've got a very special episode today, bringing back uh, another guest, sort of. I'm trying to think if our other guest was before New Year's. It was. So this is the first guest of the year. Yeah, it is. Now that Klutzy's full-time, we actually have time to interview people. Used yeah. to be, hey, can you come into the Caxton at 6pm on a Thursday night? But uh, it's a bit easier these days. We're joined by none other than Geordie Sullivan, the fight dietitian. How you going, mate? Mate, I'm good. I'm good. Long time overdue, but I'm glad we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah finally. Oh, yeah. Good to finally, mate. It's, um, yeah, it's a momentous occasion for the Caxton to have you in these hallowed halls yeah so you probably coming along. you probably cry if you saw some of the activities that went on in these hallowed halls especially hey, around lunchtime it's, for it's us funny because i don't think i've ever been to the caxton when the sun's up hey i was, kind of, <laughs> I was driving here and i'm like this is a very weird feeling coming here <laughs> it is hey there's something about coming into a pub during the day like especially during the week it's different the other very, thing, very the first question we always get when people are coming in to jump on the show is, is there a car park? And they forget that where you normally drink piss at the Caxton is a car park <laughs> like at all other hours other than um, Friday and Saturday nights. But, mate, yeah. thanks for coming in. Thanks for making the trek. Um, do you want to let everyone know who you are and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So my name is Geordie. I run a company called The Fight Dietitian. Nowadays, we just kind of refer to it as TFD. But we got our start in combat sports. I was... Um, fanatic about it for years and um i'm a dietitian which means we just talk about food and uh what to eat all day but i specialize more in sports nutrition which is way more fun while i'm probably talking to you guys yeah and then um when i finished university i was like most uni kids hey where i sat there and i thought i have no idea what the fuck i'm meant to do <laughs> yeah and then and then what i did my brother was living in canada and he um said mate just come over here for a couple of months chill out let the hair down and i ended up going over there and staying there for three years and I've always been into sport. Grew up playing rugby, loved it, I, you know, cricket, or everything that most Aussie kids do. Yep. So when I was going through university, I did every extra thing I could for sports nutrition. And I was just like gobsmacked that there wasn't a job. I was like, how can I not get a job in sports nutrition? Yeah. But I loved like boxing and everything and UFC when I wasn't playing rugby. That's how I stayed fit. And when I went over to Canada, that was kind of funny enough, like the rise of Conor McGregor. Yep. And UFC in Australia at the time wasn't that big. And I remember going over to North America and just having my mind blown, like going to pubs and just stacked, like people falling out the door, watching this like crazy Irish guy and like posters everywhere. And then it was like McGregor just like knocking out Aldo. And I was like, this is insane what this is like. And yeah, and long story short, I just started like, I was already always training but started training really seriously over there after like seeing him. And it was like all this weird things that happened that eventually when I came back to Australia, I thought, you know what? Like, I think the UFC is going to be a really big thing here. I'm going to give this a crack. And I brought back my missus who I'm now engaged to from Canada. And I said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm dead broke. I don't have much money, but <laughs> I've kind of got this idea where I think the UFC is going to be a big thing. And I don't yeah. think they have any dietitians for it. Yep. So I'm going to give it a crack. And, that's what led me starting the fight dietitian and kind of started this whole crazy adventure. That's so sick. What's sort of like a, a main difference then between your regular dietitians and yourself then? Because 
whack that there's no sports dietitians really, or there wasn't at the time. Yeah, like there was sports dietitian. I guess a regular dietitian, say if you wanted to lose weight, you yep. go, or say you got diabetes, or if you're in a hospital and you get like you know that gross hospital food, yep. yeah, they're the people behind that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're right. telling you to eat all that stuff. That's like your clinical dietitian. And then I guess you do have sports dietitians where like most rugby teams will have a sports dietitian. Mm. It's, it's kind of generic, and you're just like. I don't know, when I was playing like rep footy, they just said, hey, have like a chocolate milk and like eat some rice. And I was like, okay, cool. Like we <laughs> had, I had a sports dietitian for three years. I couldn't tell you what her name was or anything she told me. Yeah. Yeah. But when it came to combat sports, what was so weird about that area is that these guys cut weight and it's such an intense sport that no one really wanted to touch it. Because it's so full. And you guys have been around combat sports now for a while. So when you go into a combat sports gym, it's a very intense environment. Yeah. And then you add that training on top of these guys going into crazy deficits where they're just shredding their body fat over a number of weeks and then they're getting in a crazy hot sauna yep. and sweating bullets. That is – no one wants to touch it because it's so dangerous. So there's normal clinical dietitians who kind of work in a hospital. There's regular sports dietitians who work with like rugby teams, tennis players, and then there's what I do, which is like this weird world on its own where I pretty much – stop these guys from dying. I pretty much take them to death's door and then bring them back at the last minute and then yeah, shove them nice. into a cage to go get punched and kicked. <laughs> <laughs> that's sick. That sounds with, fucking with, awesome. With no context, that sounds absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, Matt, you spoke about playing rugby as a junior. What was your first sort of foray into combat sports? Like, I know it was to keep fit, but how did you get into it? Like, what was the first, uh, first sort of stuff you dove into? It was boxing. So I, I boxed at Northside Boxing, which is still around it at Nunda. It was um, a very scary area. I remember going there. <laughs> Nunda belly. Yeah, I used, to, I used to legit get off the train and I'd go with my mate and it was like terrifying. You'd almost get in two fights before you got to training. Yeah. Going it. But yeah, I, we did that pretty much every off season from when I was 12 to up till I was about 17. Yeah. And I was just fell, fell mad in love with boxing. And I think like, you guys know it's like playing, like, rugby too. You go through, like, schoolboys and the testosterone gets going and you're having, like, on-field biffs and then you, like, think you're a real tough guy. That's yeah. kind of where I got into UFC as well. I didn't – again, like, UFC was not big in Australia. That's only been a big thing in the last five years. Back when I was going through high school, it was, like, the Chuck Liddell yep. era and that, but it was, like, really old school. And I remember playing it on the Xbox and all I knew about that was, like, boxing and kickboxing. I didn't understand that there was, like, jujitsu. Yeah. I didn't know that like wrestling was a thing because there's none of that in Australia. So like I got introduced to combat sports with boxing, but I for years thought that was the only combat sports. I knew like UFC was a thing, but I didn't understand it was an entirely sport on its own, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. And then I guess from there, you sort of spoke about going to Canada and starting the business. What was it like early days starting the business? Like how did you get going? Who were some of the first people you worked with? Like I'm so interested to hear how you sort of end – because obviously – We've got some amazing athletes right now, which is unbelievable. But I'm like, how the fuck? Like, if I wanted to do something with Volk, I wouldn't know where to begin to get an easy, yeah. you know what I mean? How'd yeah. you get it, get the ball rolling? So, so I guess for years, I kind of came up with this story to make this sound like probably a bit... I'll give you guys, like, the honest truth. So this yeah. is, like, a weird mm. story. So when I was in Canada, where I got into it is I was so dead broke. I was working in this, um, this hotel up in Jasper. I was so broke, man. And, like, they take money out of your paycheck when you live there for like food and rent yep. and I was working like 40 hours a week in this gym and I'm going, bro, like I want to go out and like yep. do all these things, but yeah. I've got no money. So I was like, what can I do? So I ended up running like boxing classes there. And then when I was running the boxing classes, an ex pro came in and he goes, Oh mate, like let's train together. So it was good. I got to do some training with him. 
And then we got started talking. He's like, oh, you have like a couple of degrees in nutrition. Like I sucked at this stuff. And that's kind of what started this initial idea. Mm. Once I left there, I moved to Toronto. And in Toronto, I was surprise, surprise, dead broke again. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, I needed to make extra money. I was working a day job. And then I got a job at a bar and I met a guy. He's like, mate, you should come down to this MMA gym. And I went down to that MMA gym. I just got like fully hooked. I'd only ever done boxing before. but I got hooked on like jujitsu, wrestling, kickboxing, the whole lot. And so I ended up just quitting my day job and then choosing the path of going from really broke to really, really broke <laughs> and working just this nighttime gig at this pub, but training yep. the whole time. And it was like, I just immersed myself in it. And when I did that, like naturally you want to start like competing. I remember doing my first competition in jujitsu and weight cutting. I, I was somewhat familiar with it, but I didn't really understand what it was. Cause again, clinical dietitians, sports dietitians, nearly killing someone and then bringing them back dietitians wasn't mm. something you really spoke about at university and yep. whatnot. So, yeah, sure. And then I'm all of a sudden balls deep in that world and I've got my first competition and my coach goes, all right, it's it, MMA was illegal in Ontario when I was there. And then this jujitsu was allowed, but because I was on the visa, I wasn't allowed to compete for some reason. Yep. So he got me in this like unsanctioned jujitsu comp and it was really bizarre, but there was only three weight classes it was like a bizarre setup for it was like a super heavyweight, a middleweight, and then a super lightweight. And he's like, mate, you got to get down here or you're going to get crushed. Yep. And I go, yeah, yeah. I was like, how much, like, what is that weight? And it was 25 pounds, so like 12 kilos lighter than what I was at the Jeez. time. And I was like, mate, I'm a dietitian. Yeah, I got <laughs> this. I was like, oh, easy, easy, yeah. bro. I've done a bit of boxing. I, I met this guy, spoke to him up in Jasper about his nutrition and everything. This is easy, bro. And I was like, how long do I have? He's like, oh, eight weeks or so. Just get ready for it. He's like, don't miss a weight. And I was like, okay, whatever. I had no idea what I was doing. So I just did full-blown keto diet, yep. cut carbs, was running twice a day. It was ridiculous, bro. And I, like, I dropped the weight and then I was like three kilos off the day before. And I was like, what do I do? And I was just doing what all the fighters do nowadays, like Googling YouTube. And I saw, oh man, these guys getting like the sauna and bath and everything. Cranked a hot bath like jumped in it. Next thing I know, I'm like underwater because I've passed out and then I'm (laughs) jumping back up and I'm like, oh my God, my missus comes running in. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, you dickhead? And I'm like, oh, let me help. Let me check the scale. And I was like 500 grams off and I was like, I got to get back in there. And I was like, fuck. Going back in there. And then, but like I made the weight. I got down there like, and I like went to the gym, jumped on the scale, made the weight and like went out and it was like a round robin. And I think I had five matches. And I don't think I lasted longer than one minute in any of them. Because like you were just, just got, cooked. I just got annihilated. Like, yeah. Embarrassingly mm. annihilated. My coach like, wouldn't even talk to me after. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so bad. But um, that was like how I initially was like, oh, shit. Like, this is a thing. And I've got two degrees. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yep. So it started me like on this huge research. Like, someone's got to know. Like, there's guys in the UFC. Like, there's Conor McGregor around. Surely there's people like telling him what to do. And funny enough. I got in contact with Connor's nutritionist. So, and I messaged him and it just happened in this weird way that he had kind of come up and he was running like weight cutting certificates. Yeah. And so he's like, if you fly to LA and like come do this thing and like give him, it was an extraordinary like amount of money. And I'm talking like, I was really, really broke when I was doing all this. (laughs) And I'm like, how the fuck do I get this money? I was just... I, was just, I won't even talk about what I did to get tips <laughs> at the bar. And then so I've, I've thrown together this money and I've gone down to LA for this week and I'm going like, and I've, I've done my research on these guys and they're legit. Like the guys working with Connor and they had all these other massive names in the UFC. And I was like, holy shit, like this is insane. Like, mm. and I went in, I was like so nervous and I was like, hey, like, and I sat in this room with these guys and they came in and there was like 
five, six other people around. And I remember being like, okay, shit, like, let's, they're going to drop some serious knowledge on us. And I remember just listening to them within the first, like, 30 minutes. And I was, like, looking around and I'm like, these guys are absolute fucking idiots. Yeah. And I was like, this is insane. Like, these guys are working with the most elite level guys and what they're saying is, like, outrageous. And, like, keep in mind, I just did the world's worst weight cut. Yeah. And, like, and <laughs> yeah. I had a long way to go. But yeah. Yeah. even from there, I was like, this You just is, knew it wasn't right. I was like, this, yeah. how, how is this way. possible? That, But it was, at that time, it was such a new thing and no one was really talking about, like, again, dietitians, sports dietitians, nearly killing people. Like, it was just so far from anyone's, like, radar that no one with any decent knowledge has gone in there. And these guys I thought were like re- trained university, whatever they weren't, they were just like, they were smart. Like I, I can say they were idiots, but they were very smart businessmen in the, mm. se- in the fact that they got in there, noticed the opportunity. Yeah. But then I remember looking at that and going, fuck, th- this is legit a thing. This yeah. is absolutely a thing. And I remember hanging around with them for a bit because I knew that even though I wouldn't learn a lot for, from them, being around them, probably get me some gateways and, and shakes and hands are pretty stuff. important. So I mem- so I ended up doing that and hanging around with them. And that's where I got my first UFC fight. And years and years ago, there was a guy called Ben Nguyen, which is Ben Wynn, Ben Nguyen, um, Ben 10 back in Brisbane. And he's Brisbane's second UFC fighter. Damn and right. yeah, and he ended up just reaching out to me after I did like, I ended up paying an, another crazy amount of money, which I didn't have to go hang out with these guys in Vegas for a fight. I think it was Connor Khabib 2. Mm-hmm. Con- yeah, yeah, whenever they fought mm. Vegas where it all kicked off and Khabib jumped off D- the yeah, cage and yeah. did all that. Yeah, and I ended up being with them and then he saw that and he reached out to me and it was because I kind of like stuck it out with these guys for a while. He messaged me and then I ended up working with him and then Tyson Pedro was at a UFC fight night that I was with him and I met him and he's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, oh yeah, and I was like, oh, I kind of work with these guys but not really and then he's like, oh mate, if you want some work, I'll, I'll work with you. And after doing that for about two UFC fight weeks. Again, like, keep in mind, at this point, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing because I'm not really learning from the best people over here. Yeah. Mm. And I'm trying to figure it out as I go and I haven't got a lot of experience. I've kind of put it some things together where I'm not doing things as crazy as what these guys are doing. And then I go to this UFC Adelaide in, like, 2018 or whatever it was. I, one of the guys from the team I was originally with comes over. He is also, funny enough, dead broke and going, hey, bro, can we split a hotel room for this UFC fight week? And I go, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm dead broke. Yeah, <laughs> dead broke. Yeah. This makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah. We're trying Works to pretend well. to everyone yeah. that we're not. And it's like, like when we, we go traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure it, like, pretend to everyone that we know what we're doing yeah. and we're not dead broke. Staying so in a motor yeah, inn or something. Per- yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is perfect. And then funny enough, he goes, hey, bro, I've got a dilemma. This guy I've been working with, this young Kiwi fighter, he goes, I've been working with this guy for eight weeks. And his opponent just dropped out. He's meant to be fighting another dude from Sydney. They're both making their debut. The Sydney guy dropped out. He goes, the replacement that they've called in from the States is my best mate from high school. Oh, shit. I was like, you're fucking kidding me, bro. Oh, yeah. and he's like, I obviously, I'm going to work with him because he's like my best mate. Yeah, yeah. And, he go, and he's like, do you reckon old mate would be cool with it? And I, he's American. I'm like, probably not, bro. I was like, I don't know what the culture's like in America, mm. but... Australia, New Zealand, yeah. pick, pick your fucking team. Yeah, pick, yeah, like, yeah. Which side of the fence you're on. Yeah. And then that's exactly how he felt. So then he goes, bro, can you look after him for this week? Like, because I don't want to leave him. Like, I've worked with him for eight weeks. It's his debut fight, but now he's fighting my best mate. Like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll help him out. So I remember walking into this room and then I ended up meeting him saying, hey, man, I'm Geordie. And he goes, hey, I'm Kai Kara France. And if, if you don't know 
fighting, that's probably an insignificant thing, but Kai is one of the pioneers out of this gym called City Kickboxing. Yeah. And City Kickboxing nowadays is one of the biggest MMA gyms in the world. And it's produced names like Israel Adesanya, Alex Volkanovsky, trained a lot at City Kickboxing before he, he went from freestyle MMA to City Kickboxing. But guys like Dan Hooker, these massive, mm. massive names in UFC fighting all came from this gym in New Zealand. And that was the gym that I just all of a sudden got connected to because old mate decided that his best mate was going to go over and he didn't want. And that's literally the biggest breakthrough. Yep. Yeah. And it was like just kind of being in the right place at the right time, recognising, hey, this is something crazy. This is a really weird area to work in. And then that just happened. And turns out me and Kai, we, we're still really good friends. Like we still talk today. I know yep. his wife. I know his two kids really well. And that just opened up all these doors. And all of a sudden I was just travelling with Kai and then, Next thing I know, I worked with Shane Young from that gym. And then I was working with Dan Hooker and then Carl Sulberg. And then all of a sudden, all these guys are like working with me at that gym. And then you guys know what it's like. If someone starts doing something, yeah. someone starts drinking a particular type of beer and everyone's going, this is a pretty good beer. Yep. You yep. kind of want to try that beer, right? Yeah. And yep. all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm getting called up by the head coach saying, hey, like Israel's fighting in March next year. And like, we want you to go with him because we need, like, we need him to be his best. So all of a sudden in the space of six months, I've gone from doing this crazy weight cut that's ridiculous to kind of figuring it out to six months later working with what would be one of the biggest teams in the UFC period. That's and that's crazy. how it got started. Yeah. Holy shit. That's fucked. <laughs> that is, that's the only way to describe that is fucked. But it's weird, bro, because everyone's like, oh, there must have been some crazy... Be-. And it's like... And you guys know, like, business is a funny thing where you absolutely do need to know what you're talking about. That mm. I, I'm playing yeah. it like, don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of times where like, like and what I do is genuinely very, very dangerous. And yep. like, there's yep. a reason not many dietitians do it because yep. if you fuck it up, you're going to kill someone. Yeah, and literally people, people have literally died doing this. Yep. And we thankfully have never had any of that because we have applied a lot of science to it. Exactly like you said, like how would you ever go about getting in contact with bulk? It's like, yeah. don't get me wrong, like I was very like into it and I knew a lot of things, but at the end of the day, it was just like, fate of the winds i just yeah. ended up being right place right time and like don't get me wrong you got to shoot your shot when you're there yeah but that's pretty much how it started we sort of talked about that just before we started recording like with dominoes and things like that like we're sort of the same every s- opportunity that we've had is through knowing someone or being mm. somewhere and shaking someone's hand and that sort of stuff even we were just talking about how you know you sort of came across us and Someone who Clutzy used to go oh, and visit. Toby, yeah, yeah. I still remember it so clearly. I had to get a butterfly <laughs> valve from Reese Plumbing at um, Sam, uh, Carroll Park, sorry. And my former plumbing company, we don't even use Reese, but it was just a one-off thing that I had to go and fucking do this. And Toby, there was him and another fella. And I think the other fella was listening to the potty and was like, this is fucking old, mate. I've been showing you the clips of. And, like, I've, I've met him once or twice there at Reese, but like when I saw that he was... Running with you, I was like, what yeah. the fuck is this small world called Yeah, Brisbane? so for a bit of context, so Toby just did this insane run which Geordie sort of paced him at and that's how we came across Toby's page and then I met Toby and he was like, oh, I actually showed Geordie your clips yeah. ages ago. That's so fucked. crazy small it's world. Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah, <laughs> in a sentence, yeah hey. what school do you go to? That's yeah. the yeah. first question you get in Brisbane yeah. every time you We're meet someone. We're literally talking about this this morning. Like, it's... There's six degrees of separation in the world. There's probably two in Brisbane. Yeah, like, yeah I was going to say two. Fucked. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but it goes to show as well, like, as you said, you've got to be, like, right place at the right time. But just persisting with something, like, you obviously saw something there and that you just wanted to fucking get into that world. 
and that there's a, uh, a massive lack of people in that area. Um, for people that are out there that want to fucking do their own thing, shows you just got to have a crack. Yeah. Like, it's fucking sick. 100%. Yeah. Make your own luck, I always yeah, say. Yeah, 100%. Mate, um, one thing, I saw you uh, do a talk, a bit of a presentation at RunVault about hydration um, a couple of weeks ago now. It was actually super interesting. And one thing that I found really interesting about that presentation was you sort of talking about the literature and research around hydration in running and how you sort of looked at things a different way. And I don't want to get into the specifics of that, but was that something you applied to the combat sports as well? Like, were you heavy into like, shit, no one's looking at it from this sort of perspective and doing this sort of research. Is that sort of what you think your point of difference has been? For sure. Well, I guess a big one was I was doing it as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like you guys know, like you guys just started boxing. Like you can read about boxing as much as you want. Yeah. Like <laughs> far out. You'll never know what it's like until, even if you go train and do the like yeah, conditioning exactly. sessions, yeah. it's like you can't read about how yeah. to get punched. Yeah, I've exactly. watched people punch before, but you still rock up and get told that you're an absolute gumby. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was exactly that. When I realized that there was a gap in this, I did. I looked for the research and it just wasn't there mm. because it wasn't, a mainstream sport, I guess. I yep. think UFC is like a mainstream sport now. Back then it wasn't. But even then, I was doing it. So I was cutting weight to, for these jujitsu comps and I was training with all these MMA fighters and I was interacting. Like like I said, like I was really, really broke because I gave up one of my jobs just to train. Yep. So mm. I was just immersed in that world. And I think a lot of what we do in science, like you absolutely need to have a scientific backbone. Like I'm not going to take someone who's lost... 12% of their body weight in five days, stick them in a sauna without knowing how to monitor their vitals and yep. what to look for. Like you need to know the science, but you also need to know the context of how that science applies. Yep. And that's so, so important. And I think when I got into the combat sports thing, I was looking around going, surely there's information. And there really wasn't. And there really wasn't a lot of information. That's why I reached out to that team. So I thought that was the golden goose. And then when I realized that wasn't, I was like, I kind of got to figure this out for myself then. Yep. And it was like, I think it is. And a lot of it, it's like the evolution of sports science, right? Like you think of rugby league players back mm. in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago and compare them to the rugby league players today. They're yep. completely different. The reason that is, is because sports science develops. They train in a yep. different way. They apply different nutrition principles. They just do things differently. Fighting has been crazy like that. And when I started, there was really no research about it in training, weight cutting, everything. And now five to six seven years later there's been a boom in it yep and it's like it's a completely different sport yeah because now there's a bunch of that research yeah no i never really had that when i started yeah yeah it's like you look at tommy ronica slapping players in the face to warm them <laughs> yeah. up for games and yeah. stuff there's not a whole lot of that Even getting boys, you got to concrete pylons and smack their shoulders against <laughs> it because that's just the best way to warm up your shoulder apparently, yeah, apparently. <laughs> absolutely fucked <laughs> <laughs> um mate i'm actually super inter interested to hear and i don't know if this is a thing but is there like is there like a common weight cut like what would go into fight week for someone fighting on a ufc card yeah i mean so for if you're listening to this and you don't know what a weight cut is a weight cut essentially is when these fighters they have to go up and they they step on stage and then they jump on a scale and they have to do a weight so say i don't know darcy you sign a fight and you go to be 70 kilos if you're a professional fighter in the ufc very very likely that you actually walk around about 82 to 85 mm. kilos yeah and then you go through what's called a weight cut so the weight cut is you'll go through an eight-week dieting phase where i write your diet and you lose body fat and you might go from 85 kilos down to say 78 77 kilos in that eight weeks and yep. that's purely just body fat when we talk about these weight cuts that people see like the saunas and these guys like sitting in the bath sweating or whatever 
That's what we call this fight week weight cut. And these guys can lose, this is a wild number, up to 10% of their body weight in just those five days. Yeah, that's so wild. if you're 100 kilos, uh, yeah. that's, that's uh, 10 kilos there. Yeah. And again, remember, this is a crazy distinction too. It's not body fat. So the body fat comes before that. You're yeah. losing that 10% purely just water. Yeah. So you're dehydrating. How you do that is that you change the food that you eat and then you go through that intense sweating period. And by changing the food that you eat, you can remove carbohydrates because carbohydrates do hold a lot of fluid in our body. All of us here have probably jumped on a low-carb diet, keto diet, something, and you lose a shit ton of weight initially. It's because you get rid of all those stored carbs and all the water. It's like our mums and aunties have probably all done it and then yeah. fucking told us how great it was and then yeah. put all the weight back on yeah, two yeah, weeks later. Yeah. Had a few six, vinos and yeah, yeah, got yeah, into the cheese exactly. board. Yeah. <laughs> well, as soon as the carbs come back in, so it's the weight. But you can, I can do that and I can, because these guys are so muscly and jacked, they have so much stored carb in their body, you can get a lot of carbs out and a lot of water. Salt, if you guys ever go to like a Chinese store or whatever and get like some real salty food, you're generally heavier in the morning because your body holds that salt. So if you remove the salt, it goes down. Fiber, really, really good. Every day should be eating lots of fiber, but that fruit and veg, it takes a while to digest. And like mm. we put food in this hole and then it comes out that hole down there. There's a whole lot of tube it's got to go through on yeah, the way. Yeah. It takes like three, four days. So yep. at any one time, you've got a whole lot of stuff just sitting there doing nothing. Like it's, it's digesting. It's got good gut bacteria and all that stuff but not if you're trying to make weight. not if you're trying to make weight let's yeah. get rid of it so we can get rid of the fiber and then what we can do is we can do what's called like a water load and they can drink water and we can encourage our kidneys to start peeing so if like i scull that bowl of water i'm obviously going to go pee mm. if you keep doing that it can make some changes to your kidneys where you keep peeing more so we can drink higher amounts of water that's why you see a lot of fighters when they get ready to fight walking around with these gallon drums of water because yeah. they're just drinking trying to get their body to pee and by doing all of that, you're going to lose about 5 to 6% of your body weight. Shit. And then about 12 hours before, that's when they get into that sweating phase. And that's when you see these guys in the sauna. That's when you see these guys in the hot bath. And they're just sweating anywhere from 1 to 3 to 4 or 5 kilos sometimes. And that's where stuff gets really dangerous because you've got this guy that's just done this crazy eight-week fight camp. You guys have started doing a bit of, like, it's fight fucked. training. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's fucked. Fucking it fuck doesn't even describe how fucked it really yeah. is. And I'm sure that theirs are a little bit more intense than ours. Extremely <laughs> intense. And it's like you're doing that while dieting in a deficit, and you've done that for eight weeks. Mm. So your body's already torched from doing that. Then I've just come along and gone, all right, bro, yeah. <laughs> change your diet now. Yeah. And we've ripped off even more water out of your body. So now you're really depleted. And now I'm putting you in a hot sauna and a warm bath to get you to sweat. And so that's why I can get... And people have. People have died. People, their yeah. heart have, have stopped working. Like, they get too dehydrated. And people can die doing it. And that's why it's so dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's fucking fuck. so hectic. It's yeah. hectic. I was literally just thinking, we had a pretty solid session this morning. How many kilos of sweat do you reckon you dropped? Bro, I actually... <laughs> the first time that we um, did the boxing, I weighed myself before and after just to see if there was a difference. And I think when I got back, it was like a kilo difference. Yeah. I consumed a bit of water and shit like that. But I was like, Jesus Christ, I sweat so much. Yeah. Even like... I, I not too many air cons in the gym. No, no, not All too fans. many air cons. But I do love the fans. I've actually positioned myself in front of the fan every time we do a workout near there, which I think is a game changer. Yeah, 100%. But um, yeah, the other day even, we were doing just some weights. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, I am 
just done one set and I'm dripping. This is insane. <laughs> he came out from doing a shit today in the gym and he was sweating. Like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much. Bro, it's hard work to push it out of that little hole. So. <laughs> Especially in the amount that's going. Yeah, exactly. So no, it, it is completely fucked though. Like, uh, I would love to see how much I can fucking drop from here today. But yeah, it's, well, I don't know. I've got rid of a lot of takeaway food at the moment. You'd be horrified by one old diet of 2023. Old diet. That was, what, three days ago? Yeah, I don't know. A week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked. But, um, yeah, it's it's, in, it's insane. Yeah, mate. Um, You've rattled off quite a few now. Well, we've rattled off quite a few names of people you work with. But is there anyone who sticks out as, like, who's the craziest person that you've worked with? Craziest athlete? Um, I think the big three are all crazy in their, their own ways. And the big three are... Adesanya, Alex Volkanovski, and then Leon Edwards. Mm. They're all crazy in their own way because they're so elite. I think in a lot, when we talk about sports, especially in my world, like sports science, we always say like, oh, you know, the elite guys do this or the elite guys eat this or they train like this. And it's like, at one stage, those guys were three out of the five pound for pound best MMA fighters in the world. And Volk was number one. So it's like, you Mm. don't get any more elite than that. And I get to have a front seat of like getting to witness that. But the way that they train, the way that they diet and the way that their body responds to all of those things, it's crazy how different it is. And it's crazy that process that I just explained to you, how different it is for all of them. So Volk, for example, is like, he's the biggest weight cut in the UFC. Khabib was number one and Volk's number two. So he cuts the most weight, but Volk's body can do things that Leon's body and Israel's body just can't do. And I would yeah. never even think to push those numbers. Like you just said, Klutzy, like you're sweating. Yeah. Like one liter for the training session, Volk can lose up to three. Holy Like fuck. crazy amounts, so heaps of sweat, which is probably not great. And we've got to be really on top of him drinking his water yeah. and electrolytes. But when it comes to him getting in the bath and in the sauna, he obviously can drop a lot and we can use that in our favor. Mm. Whereas you get guys like Leon, who doesn't sweat as much. So it's a different approach. Then you've got like Izzy, who's just, and if you're into MMA and into UFC, you know Izzy's a very special guy. He's like very like mm. manifest upstairs. Yeah. I've seen him do things where I've like sat down and been like, this defies fucking physics. Like yeah. what, what is going on? And yeah. I'm like trying to work this out. And he's like, I'm going to drop this much weight at this time. And I'm going, I don't think you are, bro. Yeah. Like I'm doing the mass here and then boom. And he, and he talks about it. Like I just understand my body more. And he's opened up a side of sport that I was very, very oblivious to in one, my own sporting career, but in elite level sport. And that's the mental side of it. Mm. Like, especially with fighting, it's like 10% physical. And he's really, and I think to a lot of people shown that's 90% mental. Yeah, There's crazy things like so many weight cut stories where he's there and he's like, okay, I'm going to start sweating, blah, blah, blah. And he just puts his mind to it. Or we were in a weight cut and he's talking when he fought Pereira, the, the comeback. Going, I'm going to do this, and this is how it's going to go down. He's going to come, and I'm going to duck and throw the shovel, and boom, with the yeah. right, and then boom, yeah. it happens. And it's like, this Fuck. is next level yeah. type of shit. And it, yeah. But it's these elite level guys, and they're like, all of them are so different, but it's so crazy to see like how like performance is so different to each one of them, and how like elite they actually are, but taking a different way to get to that eliteness. It's funny you say that. I was like, look. All the boys down at the gym have been saying about like the mental side of the sport and how it doesn't matter what skill you have and 
like fitness will get you probably the furthest. But there was a quote literally I was reading in the gym this morning. Can't remember it word for word, but essentially it was like, you know, you can have like the two equal skill, but once skill's out of it, it gets down to fitness. And then like the last thing is your willpower. And I have never, like, I've never really been big into the sports. I've always watched it as like a casual viewer. But like seeing, or even today, like we did like a, um, a training session, like, go run, come back, do these punches, do this, go do some circuits, come back and punch. I was like, holy fuck. Like, I literally am barely touching the bag right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so fucked. I'm like, how the fuck do people just keep this up for? Like, see guys do, like, what, 10 rounds? Yeah, 12. How the, yeah. How the fuck do you keep this up, bro? It's, <laughs> yeah. like, ridiculous. So the mental side of it must be fucked. And it is. How, how do you work out, sort of, like, obviously you said they all have different approaches and stuff. Is that just through trial and error? Or, like, how do you figure out who needs what, essentially? Trial and error, ultimately, I'll give you an answer, but ultimately it does come down to trial and error. We have these set principles, right? Like, like I explained, there's set physiological principles that everyone's body will abide to, but there's, like, a parameter of it. And you need to figure out what the parameter is. It's all right if you're just like an everyday dude or even if you're an athlete and like everyone does well. If you're an athlete, like mm. all respect to you, but there's a big difference between elite, elite level athletes and yep. then us blokes who just go out yeah. and have a good Like if I wanted out. to fight in the UFC, there's probably no ch- – like even no matter how hard I train, blah, 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 I'd never get to the level that these guys yeah, are Yeah, like to. and yep. there's a few factors that go into that. Like genetics is yep. absolutely mm. a thing. So each one of the big three that I have all have genetics that are favourable, say, for cutting weight. Yep. which cutting weight in that sport, if you you can imagine if you can be bigger than your opponent when it comes out, not even be bigger, but if you can get through that weight cut with less damage on your body and then come into the octagon in a better shape, that's mm. going to be an advantage when you're fighting that guy. And all three of them have different genetic factors, I guess, that play into that. Say Israel and Volk are huge sweaters, whereas like Leon is absolutely cut, like cut to the bone, mm. huge muscle mass, which helps him hold more water big sweating obviously works for the other two those type of things play a huge role in how far you can push it but you need to figure out how do these guys operate in their own system because like i said the way that i go about it with volk and the way i fuel volk is very different to how you fuel izzy to how you fuel leon because they've got very different bodies but you're applying all the same principles and ultimately like you can have all the methods and everything all that in the world but you've got to put it to practice and see what works yeah it's just like a bit different at the level that I operate at is the margin for error is very, very small because if these guys go up on the scale and they miss weight, it's like, you know, you guys watch rugby. Like how many times has a commentator ever been like, oh, that was a good try. He must have had a good breakfast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. a good tackle. Yeah. Jeez, he yeah. must have really ripped into the oranges at halftime. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen. But if these guys get up on the scale and doesn't miss weight, there's a hundred reporters in that room who all turn their camera to the left and look at me that goes out to another 100 million people watching yep. in. So yeah. there's the, the margin for error is so small. I kind of have to dial these in well before we put it to the test yep. on mm. the day type thing. And it's not missing weight by two kilos. It could be like half kilo, you know, a few hundred grams as well. Like the margin yeah, for error is... Like 0.1 pound, which is yeah. less than 90 grams. Yeah, that's yeah, insane. That's like you lose 30% of your purse too. Yeah, really, if you miss weight. Yeah, yeah. Hectic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Fuck. Yeah. Jeez, uh, thank fuck we don't have a weight. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have a weight. <laughs> no, nah, we'd sort you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1 size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Um, what I was going to ask you is obviously you said they're very different. Is there a common trait that you sort of see across those guys at that, that sort of level, the elite of the elite? Yeah, I guess you can tackle it from two sides. I think physically, I mean, everyone works hard. If I'm being God's honest truth, it, it's that. It's that yeah. mental side of it. And maybe it's just my own journey as well, like going more away from fighting to this ultra endurance sport, which mm. I'm sure we'll like touch on later. But it's like... Again, Israel really opened my eyes up to it when I really got to know him as a person, start talking to him and then seeing how he goes about his training. Because it's funny, right, when you have a group of people, like I said, I worked with City Kickboxing, which is one of the best gyms in the world, but they've got a room full of killers. You go in there and there's 100 guys on the mat who are all good enough to be in the UFC. Mm. So it's like, what is it about Israel that he got through that bunch and he's the standout guy? Because they're all doing the exact same training. Same coaches. They're yeah. all, they've all got the same dietitians. So yeah. They're all eating really well. They've got the same coaches. They're doing the same recovery. And they're all training really fucking hard. Like, there's no bludges in there. Yeah. Like you go in there and it's, you can see it in their eyes. They all want it. So I was like, what is it about that guy that made him get through? And I think a lot of it does come down to that, that mental side. Not so much being mentally tough, but handling adversity and how you respond to certain situations and not just reacting to it like okay this happened and i'm going to react but can i sit down and process that and that's something i've learned from israel and i've noticed that with alex like he's got it phenomenal as well but in his own way leon like leon's backstory like he's crazy his dad was a, was a gangster in jamaica and then um died and then his mum emigrated to the uk and then Leon grew up in a pretty rough area and all of that influences. Like Leon doesn't sit down and do mm. meditation or breath work like the other guys do, but he's got this crazy mindset. Like you can imagine, for example, if I, if we did like us three did what I just spoke that process right now, mm. we go, sorry boys, we're not eating Domino's for a week. We'll eat. As soon as we weigh in, we'll, yeah. get, we'll get a pizza yeah. back <laughs> in, but yeah. we're cutting out the carbs. We're doing this water load. We're cutting the yeah. fiber. We're doing the salt, doing the whole shebang. And then we go down to the gym, nitro box with the boys and we go, all right, put us in the sauna and don't let us come out till we do this. We'd go there and you'd see like this process in all of us unfold very differently once it gets down there. Like how do you handle it? Because it's really fucking tough on you. But even with them doing it with me, like paying me what they pay me with all the knowledge I bring in, it's still hard. Yeah. Mm. But it's like, how do they handle that hard? And I, I've done it with thousands of athletes and those three handle it very differently, but all in a very similar way. Like Leon will sit there. I know he's hurting. Like, like, you'll never Can't know he's hurting. Yeah. You'll yeah. never know he's hurting. And, like, what's going through his head 
is just like staying so on track and like Israel like Israel has this crazy transformation when he's like cutting weight I, t- I talk about it and I say and I've spoken to his mental coach and his like I guess you'd call him like a stress coach mm. I've spoken to them about it and we all think it's like Israel transforms into style bender when he's going through this weight cut and you can see this mental transformation where he gets close to weight and it's always when we're like 500 grams off and it's like a it's like a cocoon and he's like shed the cocoon he shed that weight and he's coming out and he's emerging as style bender starts talking in his like native language and he starts like playing like afrikaans music really loud and he builds up this thing and he just starts like and then he'll just like crying like just emotion just coming out and it's mm. like this guy is so depleted and so run down but it's just like this this energy is coming out of him and you're like this is intense like yeah, it's an intense fuck. environment to be around and then he makes weight and it's like you're literally at the wits end i've pushed your body like we can't go lower like i can't get your body any lower than yeah. this and you're just like turned into this superhuman yeah and you don't fuck. see that I don't see that with the other fighters yeah. that I work with. It's just these three and a couple other guys where that type of thing happens and it's all mm. this thing up there. It's yeah. wild. That's fucked. That is so fucked, yeah. <laughs> and they go out and just punch on as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> fucking insane. It's like, right, eight, let's go. Boom. It's like, <laughs> fucking hell, that's insane. Uh, mate, something I really wanted to ask, what was it like when Volk took that last fight on nine days notice or whatever it was? Um, I mean, for me personally, it was pretty terrible because yeah. – um, <laughs> Yeah. Over the last few years, I've gotten in ultra. As much as I love the fighters, like yeah. they shit me to tears, and I had to do something to get away from them. So yeah. I got, I thought running in the bush for hours and hours and end with my no phone reception was a great idea to <laughs> yeah. do that. So I got really into that, but I had a race, so I had yeah, a hundred k right. race on the Saturday, and so like they do fight weeks and we have race weeks, like similar thing where we get ready for it, mm. and then. Like, I know, like I'm, I'm close enough, and I've worked with these guys. Like, you know, like if you say right now, if like your auntie called you, you'd be like, oh, that's a bit weird. Something's, yeah. something's yeah. up. She wouldn't yeah. just be calling yeah, to say, like, how's this is like, Monday yeah, going? Like, she's yeah. going to send me a Christmas card. This yeah. is like, well, she doesn't call me. And yeah. like, my phone started ringing and it was Alex Volkanovsky and I went, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, this is something's going on. And like, I was like, okay, there's, there's two situations here. I was like, you've given yourself like food poisoning or something and you want like yeah, how, how to fix I? this yeah. or something like that. Something yeah. along the lines. I was like, or you've, you've picked up a fight. And I was like, oh, God, like please have food poisoning, please have food poisoning. Because I'm like in the middle, I've just done this brutal 12-week camp, like backstory, this race I'm doing. This was the Black Hole this race? This is the yep. Black Hole race where 12 months later, I went out and torched myself, ended up in the ER, like nearly killed myself, literally yep. nearly killed myself, and then built up like a pretty much a 12-month rebuild to go back and tackle this thing. And it was like mentally, physically, took everything I could to get back and do that. And mm. I was three days out from this event. And and this little midget calls me and I'm going, <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going, ah, oh, and I was like, and he's like, mate, like we need to chat. Like I've, I've just been on, like, I've been away. This is my weight. This opportunity's come up and I'm like, shit. And it's like the way is with, and you guys have grown up in sport. Like if Volk calls me and he wants me, I'll drop everything. Yeah. Like, there's not like, like that's like team. Like I, yeah, especially this team that we've developed. Like it, it, that's a very different thing in the world of like MMA. It's a very individual sport, but I feel like the, Australian and New Zealand team, like City Kickboxing and Volk's Gym Freestyle MMA, like we're a very, very tight-knit unit. Mm. Like, and I've never really experienced this in any other – I've played lots of rugby team sports, but it's kind of like that you go to war, I'm coming with you, tell me what I need to do, I'll be there, drop of a hat. And so I'm – straight away I'm going, okay, whatever I need to do. And he goes, 
this is happening. I'm going, okay, we've got like three, four weeks to do this. He goes, all right, Abu Dhabi, bro, it's in 12 days. I'm going, hey, say that again? <laughs> and I'm like, 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 say that again. He goes, all right, 12 days. And he goes, I was like trying to process this. And he goes, all right, 12 days, like, and I'm going, oh, wait, 12 days. And I'm going, shit, I've got to race in three days. I'm normally there like 10 days early. I'm doing the maths. I'm like, you're going to be there day flying early, in yeah. the day that I race. And I'm going, that means I've got to fly in the day that I'm racing. I'm going, shit, I don't know. Oh, I'm like conflicted. I'm like, I'm going to, I need to come. I need to be there for you. I'm yep. not letting you do this on your own. But I just torched myself for, for 12, 12 weeks months, doing yeah. this. Like, I need to do this. And then I'm going, okay, I'm going to do it. And he goes, all right. But before we figure out flights and all that, we've got a bigger issue to figure out here i was like yeah yeah and he goes i'm 25 pounds overweight <laughs> and i've gone wait what's that and then for, for the aussies that's like 12 and a half kilos yeah, in 12 days and normally like i said we have that eight, eight week, week yeah. period where we lose all that fat and then we jump into this crazy like five day so it was like oh my god so not only am i stressing out about all this i've got to do post like the biggest weight cut i've ever done in my prof professional career with my biggest client in my professional career. With your biggest race. With my biggest race <laughs> in my own oh. personal career. And yeah. I'm going, Jesus, this is like, this is wild. But so we ended up just getting off the phone. The manager rang me. I was like, hey, I'll come. Absolutely. But I need to get like a flight on Sunday night. I can't. I've got to do this thing. It finishes like Saturday night. And they go, yeah, yeah, no worries. They got me a flight Sunday night at 12.30 a.m. So ticked over to Sunday. Yeah. 30 minutes into Sunday, yeah. I was on a plane. So oh. it was like, I ended up running this race, finishing it driving back down to Brisbane, having a shower, packing my bag and then going. It was, yeah, it was not, not ideal for the calves and the, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and the swelling. But then, yeah, we ended up getting over and, yeah, thankfully, like, we, we made it happen. But, God, it was a lot of weight. Like, it was a lot of weight for, for bulk to drop. But I think, um, I mean, and I guess I've thought about this and everyone, like, knows what the result was. And I think this is coming back to your earlier question, like, what separates these top-level guys? Like, mm. I always use that now as an example. Like, Volk is a very, very special athlete. I've yep. never met an athlete more dedicated, more hardworking. I've, Volk is probably one, I suppose, Izzy and Leon as well, but Volk I've learned so much from, just from being around him about work ethic. Like yep. I thought I had a good work ethic until I met that guy. And I've never met someone who can still work so hard but still balance everything else in his life and still still be like a good guy, like not be a shit person. Yeah. Yep. And he's still like so humble. At the time when they fought, like, Volk and, and uh, Islam were like number one and two pound for pound best in the world. And everyone was like, this is going to be a close fight. But really, if you look at like top level sport and like, again, we're not just talking about this is just two guys having a punch on at the park or at the circus. Mm, yeah. It's coming around like podcast whatever. Royale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. These are the two very best guys in the world. Yeah. And it's like, it goes to show how high skill and the, the amount of attention to detail and the skill level to get to that point because one of those guys had a 10-week camp leading in and sharpened every single tool yep. and one of them didn't. And, like, look at the result. And, like, when you look back on it, like, obviously we can go in and we're going to back Volk 110%. And it's like, I want you – like, everyone has, you know, Rocky Balboa chance, Punch's chance. But when you look at it, like, from that standpoint, it's like, obviously you can see why the result went the way it did. Yep. But that's just, like, the high-levelness of the sport. Yeah. Number one, you can't, like, take – you can take a fight. He did take the fight. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah. when you look at it that way, and I'm glad he got paid the money like he did get paid because he deserved it and he saved the show. But yeah, that was like a very, very stressful 
12 days. I don't want to ever live those 12 yeah. days over again in my yeah. life. <laughs> how was the plane ride after the run? But f- how far is it? 160 k's? No, no, that one was 100, just over 100 k's. Yeah, and like 5k of incline or something stupid. Yeah, something. the incline is, is relentless on that. The, the thing that's most brutal about that race, it's one of the hottest ones you can do in, um, in Queensland, like insanely hot. And like, but to you saying you sweat, I sweat same as Volk. I'm like a three litre per hour type yeah, guy right. and like insanely. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was a tough. Plane ride was horrible. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully I was able to schmoozle the, the girl at the yeah. check-in and I got a whole row to myself. Oh, bang. And then boom. But yeah, I was straight in the Normatex, eh, for yeah. like two days. <laughs> trying to cook Volgi's food in the Normatex. <laughs> like, here's your eggs, here's your eggs, bro. <laughs> um, oh, mate, I definitely wanted to ask about it because I'm sort of – Gotten into running myself a little bit over the last little while. Definitely nothing um, in terms of ultra, but um, what made you pick running? How did how did that come about? Literally that, bro. Like I said before, like the way I described the business, like obviously there's lots of you guys, <laughs> there's lots more that goes into it. Yeah. Yep. When I started, I was 25, and like I was, and like I still am, like still pretty stupid with a lot of this stuff. I didn't have like the mental maturity to handle a business that rocketed the way that it did, and yep. it did. It like really went off. Yeah, and well, you were I saying six months or something. Six, from, yeah, yeah. In, in about 12 to 18 months, I pretty much ticked off a lot of the goals that I thought would take me five years or so. Yeah. yeah. And right. I didn't really know how to handle that. Yeah. And then with that came a lot, I guess, responsibility in the sense that my time wasn't necessarily my own now. Like, I, it was a weird thing where you run your own business to, to set your own schedule and do all these other things, but mm. all of a sudden... Instead of working nine to five, I'm just working 24 seven. Yeah, yeah. And it's because I've taken on all these other things. And I didn't have the skills to like manage my time properly. So I've like kind of put together and thank God, like Jack Doherty, our senior guy has been with me pretty much since the start. And he like kept the whole thing together. He's a lot smarter than what I am. But I pretty much got to a point where I can't serve these guys as best as I want to because I'm around this too much. Like, mm. for me, fighting and jujitsu especially was always my escape. It was, like, my mental health escape. It was, yeah. like, how I stayed fit. I would go to the gym. If I had a shit day, it doesn't matter. Go choke someone. I had a yeah. good day, doesn't matter. Go choke someone. Go get yeah. choked like out. Anything, yeah, anything <laughs> in the middle, go get choked out. Yeah. Your problems aren't that bad when the world's closing in on you <laughs> like that. So it's, like, that was always how I just stayed level. Yep. But then all of a sudden, this business starts taking off, and then I'm hanging around with all these guys, and I don't think I made the connection of how big the influence these guys had on just the everyday people because I was always with them. So I, I don't think I like put it together how big they were. Cause they, to me, I knew Izzy before he was Izzy and yeah. Alex and all that. So it was like, I'd go to the gym to unwind and like, that was my safe space. And all of a sudden I'm hitting pads. The guy holding pads is going, Hey bro, I talk to you for five minutes after this yeah. about my diet. And I'm yeah. going, no bro. Like, yeah, let's just, just like, yeah. Let these rounds. like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm so rolling. And these guys are going, bro, like how crazy was that? That such and such did this. And, can't believe like how what was that like? It's like, bro, can we just can you just choke me out and like not yeah. say anything? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's sort of like your work and your sort of mental health, uh, like the thing you used to clear your mind sort of were almost intersecting. Yeah, and it, it, it was all consuming. Yeah. And it was like, and you guys know what it is when you go in on something, like when you run a business, and like I said, I was very fortunate, but I still had to shoot that shot. And mm. once I realized like I hit the target, that the work's not done, you've got to really go in and you have to go all in. I did. Like, I I torched a lot of personal relationships. Like, my own, like, relationship with my now fiancé. I wasn't sure if she was going to be my fiancé. Is that, like... Because you've got to be that committed to it to get this thing going. And the gym was always my safe space. It was no matter how rocky everything else is, how... If the business is doing well, if it's going down, if all my other relationships, or if this client 
did this and this happened to this or they nearly missed weight and I'm so str- I could always go to the gym. Yep. I could always go to the gym and just lose myself in the pads. I could lose myself in jujitsu. And then all of a sudden I couldn't. And I was like, well, what do I do? Like I can't keep doing this. And that's quite literally like what I said is like, what can I do that is so far away from anyone where my phone isn't going to beep and I'm not going to get all these messages? Like I should get into this mm. ultra running. But the thing was... I always and I still do. Like I fucking hate running. <laughs> like I absolutely hate it. But it allows me to get into this space where I don't have to deal with all like the yeah. problems aren't problems. And then like I can come back to them and it's like this is you time. Yep. And now as I guess as the business has grown, I've got bigger problems. I just realize I need more me time. And so instead of like doing normal things and going hanging out with your mates and getting like a cafe for a few hours i go run for like 12 hours on yeah. a sunday <laughs> yeah. or whatever instead so. of running for two hours i run for 12 now. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i don't think i think um the point of like separating yourself like i don't know how you there's a lot more that goes into like all this sort of shit than what people think oh, yeah. um and i don't think you could stress enough how good it is to have like an escape i know mine's like footy still as I said, I don't go to training, don't do anything like that, um, which might change this year, which could come as a shock to a lot of people. <laughs> um, but just having an escape is so fucking good. Yeah. Like, for me, there's like 60, 70 minutes if I decide to play a full game or pull myself off at halftime. <laughs> um, but it's just like nothing else affects you except for what you're doing on the field. So if anyone's out there, like, I think that's probably, like, that's going to be my biggest takeaway from what you've said. I reckon we'll just be like, fucking do something that separates your work. That's from that's genuinely why, like, and it's yeah. probably not so much why I got into running, like it was to lose weight and stuff, but it's why I enjoy it so much now because yeah. I'll wake up on a Monday morning, put my headphones in, and I won't look at my phone for three hours. I'll just put it on Don't Disturb, music, don't talk to anyone, just go for three hours, and I'm exactly the same. Like, yeah. the shit you think about as well when you're doing it, is like, and business things, anything. Like, I have these thoughts like, fuck, like, you, I don't know, I feel like with my phone and my computer and stuff you don't give yourself long enough mm. thinking in that way to have these ideas and these thoughts yeah. um but yeah i'm 100 percent the same like that's why i've really enjoyed it but um is it true that you did a 100k run on a treadmill yeah funny enough that was that oh, <laughs> funny enough i did that the night before one of volk's fights <laughs> oh what hey yeah, like I, I found out a bit later that the team weren't too stoked with it only because again i torched myself pretty bad i had a bad habit and like i spoke about this at the talk I struggle with these ultra races because, like, my physiology is, like, again, very similar to Vulcan that where when I – I did stupid weight cuts, but I could do them because, Mm. like, I was a big sweater. And everything that's good for cutting weight is terrible for, like, these ultra running events. Yeah. I guess that's why I've been fascinated as well because I feel I at least partly contribute – not cracking the code, but making weight cutting a lot safer for a lot of athletes. We Our team was, like, did play a big role in – getting that info out and figuring a lot of that out. And I feel like there's a big space in the ultra world yep. where I want to figure that out because if this is like, like we just said, everyday mm. folks like us, there's a lot you can get out of it. And I think there's a lot if you can, everyone can run 50 Ks, everyone can run 50 Ks, but it's very difficult physiologically for a lot of people because we don't talk about it and no one's really cracked it. But anyway, getting back 100 Ks on the treadmill, because I travel so much for work, I always book in these races and same, they do a fight camp, I do a race camp. And yep. they're very like, Light camps are way more intense, but these are still intense. And I dedicate everything. It's like probably similar to you guys. If you do it, do it 110%. Don't fuck around with yep. it. And then Volk rings me like six weeks out and he goes, oh, we've got this fight. Like, need you there. And I'm like, oh, of course, it's like the yeah. race weekend that I've been like preparing like mm. four months at this stage to do it. 
So I've done all this training. And then I go, all of a sudden I'm in, where were we? Like somewhere in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. And I go, man, like I'm so fit. And like, if you've ever done anything like that, if you've done a camp, you know, you have like a peak week yeah, and you have mm. like this one week of like golden, like you feel it's super so human. Fucked. It's really yeah. bizarre. And you would have experienced yeah, it when, with your marathon. When I did the marathon training, it was like, you honestly feel fucked for so long. And mm. then you just taper off and it gets to the week and you're like, holy shit. Like I, I remember getting to the, and I fell apart in my marathon, but I remember mm. getting to the halfway mark of my marathon and being like, if someone said, okay, warm up's done, go back and start again. I felt like I could have, like, you just feel so good. Yeah. I, I describe it like, it's like a slingshot. And, like, you do all that training, break your body down, but then when you taper, you, like, pull yourself back. And by pulling yourself back, you're, like, loading the slingshot. And then come race day, you're just ready to go. Yeah. So I've done all of that, done <laughs> all of this, and I'm ready to go. And I'm at this fight week. And then add into the mix, I'm in a fight week with some of the most alpha male, toughest dudes yep. on planet Earth. So yep. there's a lot of male energy getting around yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. So, like, not only am I... And then I'm, like, rolling, doing jujitsu with these guys. So I'm, like, feeling physically insanely good yeah plus we've got this plus volk's getting ready for a world title fight so the vibes are high yeah very high. and then i'm just going i remember we were at dinner and i thought you know what fuck this <laughs> i'm doing it and i'm doing it tonight and so i literally remember putting like the steak to the side and ordering like potatoes and rice so yeah. i get carbs in i'm <laughs> yeah. like fuck it i'm doing it and then i just ended up eating these and then the boys all went to bed and i just grabbed a bag put some gatorades in there grabbed a bit of train aid and like went up to the um to the hotel gym it's got a like a corner treadmill got it next to the um water station so yeah. i could just keep filling up bought a spare pair of clothes i just hit my watch and i went i ain't stopping on this thing until i hit 100k <laughs> i just went boom and the worst part about it though and i don't know why i didn't think about it like i didn't i couldn't for whatever reason i couldn't connect to the wi-fi yeah so i couldn't watch anything on my oh, phone oh, the fuck. tv on the <laughs> treadmill didn't work oh. for whatever reason it worked every other day of the week for this one it was just offline I was just staring at this park that was pitch black. So I started at midnight from 12 a.m. to like, I think it's like 8 a.m. or 8.30 the next morning. Just watch the sun just go around this park. <laughs> and that was my entertainment so for eight and a half hours. And then like, you, and I'm, I guess you're going to say halfway through your marathon, you felt real shit. That's like everyone gets that because yep. I felt great for the first four to five, yep. six hours. And then I went, this is so fucking shit. Yeah. Like, and yep. then I was like, there's no stimulation. There's no one in yeah. the gym. Yeah. There's no one coming. It's not like a race when there's crowds. Yeah, yeah. And I was and like, stuff. there's yeah. no one, but I'm not getting to stop and see my crew and get like a yeah. pump up. And yeah. I was like, the boys are sleeping, so I can't even like yeah. message them to come in. And then, yeah, I remember one of the boys, Brad Riddell, came in at like when I had like 30 minutes to go and he like looked at me and I'm just like running. I could like barely talk. <laughs> I was like, and he's like looking at me and just shook his head and then just, <laughs> <laughs> just left and went back. <laughs> Do you imagine That's someone, so my first thought was a, a random hotel guest being in there at like 11.30 when you walk in and then waking up the next morning going back and you're still you're on the still treadmill. Like. But you know, it's funny, a lot of people did rock up and like you just go into your own world because yeah. I was hurting so bad because yeah. my running coach afterwards was like, that was so stupid, you dickhead. Because yeah. like when you're running outside, you're up and down using different muscles. I was just cranking the yeah. same muscles yeah. over and over again. Yeah. I was just fucked afterwards. And it's just like, I just, I couldn't compute it, but I just had to, I remember just thinking, okay, if I just stay in this like box, that's what I was thinking, like the box, I'm, I can't see anything else, just focus on this box and just stare at this tree in this park and let's just get this thing done. But then all of a sudden when like the box went away towards the end, I realized there was like a gym full of people <laughs> and I've like got my kid off, I'm sweating <laughs> everywhere, there's Gatorade <laughs> bottles, banana peels, no one, 
went on the treadmill next to me, but every other treadmill was full with people, <laughs> and they would just been like, "Who the fuck is this idiot? <laughs> what the fuck, fuck is he doing?" Yeah. But then someone messaged me on Instagram afterwards. I put up like a post about, it and they're like, "Oh shit, I was actually in there. I was thinking, what the fuck is this dude doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Just like on that, so when you're doing those runs, do you have like a crew with you that gives you shit throughout it? Like yeah, driving yeah. along with you or something? Yeah, I'm like, I'll, I'll only do it with a crew. Like yeah. maybe that's like me and I've got like, I don't know, attachment issues or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. there's some psychos that do it without. I have a crew. I have like, there's probably 10 people that I can call up and they'll yeah. all do it with me, but I usually take six people. Yeah, okay. Six people and like they'll rotate. So most of the races are 14 to 17 hours. Like this big one we got coming up in June will be anywhere from 24 to 36. So you kind of got to rotate mm. between the crew. But like it's rough for you doing it, but it's just as rough for the crew. They've got to fucking yeah. stay out there, stay up, make sure. And like you're obviously in a weird headspace. So like, for example, like I remember running in and there was like, I wanted Coke for whatever reason. I just wanted Coke. And they didn't have coke there, and I was like, "Fuck just you guys!" Losing <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. like the crew's like, oh, and you're like, "I don't want it." To, like they're out here for me. I don't want it. And you're like, "Calm down." They're like, "Oh, we got this instead." You're like, "Okay." And then you're like, "Can you please just have coke the next one?" Please? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then yeah, it, it's it's a tough, it's a weird sport. Yeah. Though. Like it's a very bizarre out there. Sport. Bro, you definitely have to research the minds of the people that do it by themselves because they must be <laughs> fucked in there. Oh man, they must have so many. This is the thing. A lot of them are like oh, we've all got demons and like we all grew up in Brisbane. I went to like a Catholic primary school. I went yeah. to like St. Pat's. Like, yeah, right. So like I went to like a decent school and like never, really, I was a very middle class kid. Yeah. yeah. Played sport my whole life. Yeah. Like didn't really go through too many things that yeah. were yeah. particularly tough. Like an old, like it's a very privileged lifestyle. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then yeah. I meet all these <laughs> these guys out there and they tell you these fucked up stories. Like Leon like, Edwards and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I just... Just yeah. got the shits with my work. Too many, like, these guys just annoy me. And I'm like, fuck, this is, I'm, maybe I shouldn't be out here. Call me in the bush and fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Some fucking whack jobs out there. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like being on the other side of it for Toby for his big run? How far did he run again in that race? So that ro- race, Coast to Cozzy, is one of the biggest ones. They go from Boytown on the east coast, they run up Mount Kosciuszko. It ends up being about 242 kilometres or something like that. Fuck. Yeah, non-stop. That's, <laughs> it's so, that's so fucked. Yeah, it's <laughs> a wild race. Ridiculous. You could run to Calandra and back and still you still have 40Ks to go. Yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild though. Like, it's wild seeing it because that race is very different. A lot of these ones where your crew, it'll be like 10, 20Ks in between. So you go a few hours without seeing anyone. Sure, yeah. Which is like nice, but then also a bit fucked, but also the cool part about it. But with him, you see him every 5Ks because yep. you're running from like, yeah, literally so far. You're covering a big chunk of Oz. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, and there's no, like, medical tents and whatever yeah, yeah. along the there's way. There's no so aid station yeah, coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. a whole lot of fuck all this way, a whole lot of fuck all that way, yeah, a whole lot yeah. of fuck all that way. Yeah. So it's like, you've got to just leapfrog them because if they need anything, you've got to give it to them. Yeah. But you see very, like, intimately, like, their deterioration and just, mm. like, what they go through. And it's – and I've done, like, quite – Toby's one of my main training partners. So I know a lot what he goes through. And I think the other guys in the crew were a bit – freaked out like of the interactions we were having because i know toby is one of like and i work with a lot of tough motherfuckers and he's got something that's and i'm assuming there's a lot of demons that maybe he'll tell me one day about <laughs> yeah. but he's one of the toughest motherfuckers ever yeah. and i know that like and i've seen him do this where other people there hadn't and so when he's getting coming in he sits down and he literally can't move and he takes off his shoes and his feet are just blistered and they're bleeding and his little toe is curled up under his foot and he mm. is just a shell of a human. These guys are like, oh, my God, what do we do? And I'm sitting there going, shut the fuck up. 
get up and keep going. Yep. Like, I know you've got this in you. Yeah. And it sounds rough at the time, but when you're in that zone, you're kind of looking for every excuse you, you can it. to get yeah. out of it. Yeah. And having that voice like is so important. And you need that one person. Don't like sometimes you need to be a bit more nurturing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Play into that. But sometimes you just need to say, like, bro, get the fuck up. Yeah. Like, I know you can do this. You know you can do this. I've seen you do this. You know you've got your legs. Like, this is meant to hurt. Yeah. We didn't sign up to a 5K park run. Yeah. This is meant to hurt. Like, yeah. you signed up to get into this space, to get whatever it is that you get out of being in this immense amount of pain. You're in it now. So don't sit down. Like, get up and go out there and get whatever it is the fuck you're trying to get out of this. That doesn't come from sitting down here whinging about mm. your feet. It comes yeah. out, like, from pounding pavement for the next 12 hours. Yeah. And it, like, it works. And, like, if you're not used to that stuff, it, the other guys in the crew are a bit like, what the fuck? What the fuck's <laughs> going on here? And it's just like, ah, oh, it's just, that's just how you need to yeah. be. Yeah. He is crazy. Like, um, after that run, I think your thing that I was talking about before at the run vault was, like, two days after it or something. Mm. And he was there. And I was like, oh, how's the body feeling? He's like, oh, my foot's a bit sore, but that's it. Like, that was his only complaint. I'd be like, mate, I'd be on a stretcher with drips hanging out of my yeah. arm. Like, it's wild with that because I remember the first time I ever ran, like, a marathon and I did, like, the stupid thing that most guys do is, like, you get really motivated to do it and you go do it. But it was the first kind of inkling of, like, how crazy your mind is in these sports where I was convinced I'd ripped my hip. I remember going in this run and I was, like, 22Ks in and hurting because I didn't train. I just, like, kind of got up and did it. Mm. Yeah. I was convinced. It felt like someone got a shotgun, boom, yeah. side yeah. of the hip. And I was, like, every, like, step was agony and it was so painful. I can't even describe it. And then I just remember like getting past this point and seeing this guy running. And uh, I'm pretty sure he runs all around, but you might've seen dust, but he has like cerebral palsy and he mm. runs. And I was like, fuck, these guys going out and getting after it. Like, yeah. mm. the fuck am I whinging about? Yeah. And as soon as like my mind shift like changed, this pain just went away. Yeah. And yeah. it's weird in these like ultra endurance events, the parts of your brain that come alive because your brain will tell you every reason why you need to stop. And it also create a lot of shit that's not real to try to make you stop. And pain is just one of them. And you get very good at distinguishing like this layer of fake pain that your brain is making. And then like, oh shit, I actually ripped my ACL or I yeah. ripped my ankle. Yeah. And they're very, two di very different things. Both suck. But one of them, a lot of what you do in your training is just learning to be comfortable sitting with that fake pseudo pain that your brain is creating. And like, mm. Toby's sitting down, he's going, my feet hurt, like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, they don't. Yeah. They don't hurt. You think they hurt, but they don't actually hurt. And you can do a check, and, like, you can – because yeah, you'll yeah. know when they're legit injured, and that's yeah. okay, we got it. But it's like, no, bro, like, you just got to figure out whatever the fuck it is going on in your mind and get past that and keep going. And that can be very, very difficult as these races, especially these long runs like Toby does as they go on because – you only have so many tools that you can use to fucking fight these demons coming at you. And when you start getting low on those tools, they start to win the battle. And that can get very, very hard to like convince yourself that the pain is not real. Yeah. You can barrow in. And that's when it's useful to have someone on your crew to be like, mm. shut the fuck up and yeah. keep going. Yeah. 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 No, your hip's fine. Just fucking bite down yeah, on, yeah. on the mountain. And then it's not and you finish and you've got a completely blown hip <laughs> and you can't run for <laughs> six months. Yeah. I've always thought if I was to do any sort of long distance run, um, I'd probably go to the same headspace as Run Fat Boy Run. <laughs> if you've seen that, where he comes up to the wall, he hits the wall, and like, there's like, in his head, there's just this giant fucking wall in front of him. Yeah, I have seen yeah, that. And yeah. he's just like, that's how I imagine myself as a runner. Yeah. Just like, imaginary shit everywhere, and just being like, ah, fuck. It gets tough. It like, again, I haven't done any sort of ultra stuff, but. 36, 37, 38 K mark, 
like I was just suffering. And the, I, the worst thing, the thing that pissed me off the most about it was like, I felt like I could barely pick my feet up and you're just trudging along and someone on the side's like, only four Ks to go. And I'm like, you know how hard my next step is? And now I've got to yeah, go 4,000 yeah. metres. Yeah. Like, it was tough. I um, felt real bad because um, we were sending messages. I wasn't sure if he'd see them. And I've said her on the pod earlier, coming through on his watch. And I was tracking him on the app and it said that he only had like 500 metres to go. And I was like, fuck. And it was like getting close to the four hour mark. Like, come on, cunt, you're so fucking close. You gotta make it under four hours. Like, yeah, you're so fucking close. And then I just saw it going backwards. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck's happening here? Like, <laughs> what is going on? I literally had my eyes glued to that app for I reckon three out of the four hours yeah. and eight minutes. It was and fucking grim. And then like afterwards, he's like, dude, at that point I had two and a half Ks to go. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, I'm so sorry. That would have been the worst messages to be getting through as well. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fucking tough. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely um, definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, mate, something else I wanted to ask about. Tell us a bit about TrainAid. How did that sort of come about? Yeah, yeah. So TrainAid's uh, our supplement company that we started. But if you asked me when I was at uni if I'd ever started a supplement company, I'd probably punch you in the mouth. <laughs> it was the last thing that I wanted to do. Even nowadays... I do love it as a company, but the supplement world is, goes very much against like my morals and ethics as like a dietitian. There's so much mm. like shady shit that goes on. That's yep. why I never wanted to touch it. The reason we started it and made it was because of these guys at City Kickboxing at that gym. So after I started the, the business and kind of connected with Kai and then got more involved, I spent a lot of time over there. And I guess my job kind of became like, how do we get these guys to be the best that they can? And they ended up going on one of the craziest win streaks in the UFC and like I'm not saying that it was like just me going in there was a lot of other really great coaches that came mm. and like helped build that team and the athletes themselves are phenomenal head coaches and everything else but the biggest nutrition problem with them wasn't necessarily the food they were eating it was they were in this tiny and you guys have been in a boxing gym now you know mm. what it's like like not many of them have air cons yeah they have like the one roll up door that doesn't really do much it's just <laughs> hot air and then <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, yeah so a lot of gyms are like that and it's great and these guys there's a hundred people on the mats or whatever yep. it is. And oh. they're just sweating their ring off day in, day out. But these guys are training for two, three hours in the morning and then coming back and doing two, three hours at night. Yep. And one of the biggest things I was trying to figure out was like, they're eating well, but they're all just dying in the ass, like in this second session. And I was like, I need to fuel them up. And I thought it was a fueling strategy. And I came to realize, nah, what these guys are doing is like, they're coming off the mats as a vending machine over here. And they're just going to get the orange mango deep spring fizzy water. Yeah. They're crushing oh. that. And then they're going home and they're so cooked. And I'm telling them to eat all this food. So they're eating the food, then going in a coma and sleeping and then coming back to the training the without next like rehydrating properly. Yep. I was like, well, fuck, like, how do we like get around this? Because I did have like a hydration plan to them, but they're just so fried that they weren't doing it. Yeah. Yep. So then what I thought was like, well, we need to fucking come up with something. And so what I ended up doing was connecting with this guy called Dr. Lewis James, who funny enough is like this real nerdy, like he's a marathon researcher. He works like Elliot Kipchoge and all these guys, like mm. very, very top level guys. Turns out back in the day, he was a bit of a fucking gnarly dude and like <laughs> was real into MMA, Michael Bisbing, Dan Hardy, yeah. trained with all those guys, like OGs back in the day. And he pretty much did what I did. And like if when I started, it wasn't really a thing. When he was doing it, it was just, <laughs> it was nothing. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah. something you do on the weekend. Yeah. And we got talking about a very similar concept and we were talking about the topic of rehydration and how he struggled after weigh-ins getting drinks from like pharmacies and chemists that were good enough to rehydrate. And I said to him, oh, we actually have like a formula that we use post-weigh-in 
that I just like have these measuring cups in my suitcase and I get the salt and I get the glucose and I get all this. And I do all the way, I bring out my scales and I measure it all up and I tip the water in and then I like make these rehydration drinks and it takes me like six hours to do it for all the guys because you've got to be like very precise with it and everything yep. else. He goes, yeah, I remember doing that. And then I, we got on the topic. I was like, I, I would do that for them after training. It's just like, I don't know how to do that every single day when they're yep. training five days a week. Like yep. I don't have six hours every yep. day to do that. Full-time job, basically. And he yep. basically said to me, he's like, you know what's funny is that over the years, like I always pondered this question and I actually did some like in-house research about it. I could never get funding and I did it a lot on the side and we never like published any of it because he was a marathon guy. But he's like, man, I've got all this stuff in my desk. He's like, I've got this formula. He's like, this would be perfect to turn into a product. He's like, if you want it, take it. And I'm going, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm going like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. like I'm probably make it like a couple of bob off of this. And he's like, mate, he's like, you use it or it sits in the desk and gets dust. Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. I'll, Sweet. I'll yeah. play ball. But then we went back and forth. So we, we got it and I put it to the manufacturer and then kind of came back, sent it to him. I was like, what do you think? He's like, ah, oh, they fucked this up and changed this and blah, blah, blah. And then we got this product and like, we'll s- again, like didn't have heaps of money. We can only get one flavor and we we're tossing up like, what's the first flavor we're going to get? I mean, I know exactly what fucking flavor I'm going to get. They all go from that fucking yeah, orange mango this to get yeah. fucking the mango flavor fucking drink. I'm making it mango. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's why we made it mango, the first flavor for this team. Yeah. And essentially like I wasn't going to sell it. Like I just wanted to make it for these for the guys. Team, yeah. And then when we started using it, like, <laughs> and like, obviously like I'm going to say like, it's good, but I realized like, oh shit this is like a problem that these guys are having and this is a real solution. Yeah. And then it was like, and then we started using it after weigh-ins when obviously like I explained death door, then I've got to bring them back. Yep. First part about that is rehydrating them properly. And then that was like a huge missing piece of the puzzle for us with that. And I was like, holy shit, this is like really good. And then I'm like sitting back going, obviously it's fucking good. You got this guy formulating it. And yep. like mm. these guys, so I was like, shit. And then that's where my business, now business partner was like, mate, you got to like, yeah, you got to like turn this into something, Upscale and that's how shit, we yeah. like. Because t- like again, like I didn't know how to run the dietitian business, and that was already caving my head in as it was. Yeah, and then this opportunity came up. I'm like, fuck, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Let <laughs> <laughs> alone running a Let's supplement business. Yeah. yeah, and then he's like, oh mate, I'll come quit my job and help you do this. And thank God he did. And now it's like a now it's like an actual thing. Yeah, and so now it's like I've turned those runs from six hour runs into twelve hour runs yeah. just to manage both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely a good product. I've been using it for since I started my marathon training. I pretty much have one every day after training, and I love it. So, um, if you're listening, um, head out and grab some. But um, I guess before we wrap up, mate, what's next? What's next for TFD? What's next for you? What's what's happening? Uh, TFD, we've got a few events. We've got a, we've got a team, good team now. I'm very very lucky that within all that running, I was able to reconcile and put together some type of viable business that's sustainable. Yeah. So now we've got a really good team now, and I guess. The traveling was always a big thing for me where I'd always be away like every other month, but the guys are going to take a lot of that workload off. But we've got uh, UFC 298, I think Volk's fighting in Anaheim. That's coming up. Yep. Leon, I don't know if this is announced, but like you should be on UFC 300 is yep. looking likely. But And then there's another couple big fights around like International Fight Week that may or may not happen. And then, yeah, so it's like big travel schedule coming up with the UFC guys. But yeah. In terms of our team, I think over the last couple of years, we've really like expanded out into other areas of sport. Like like I said, very first thing, clinical dietitians, sports dietitians, 
crazy shit that we do. Mm. And I've kind of learnt over the years, this crazy shit that we do, if we kind of apply it over here, just as much impact to these guys. So yeah, yeah. We've got loads of different athletes now. Like, and like a, you guys saw, like we're traveling with the ultra endurance guys. Like we just signed like an Ironman. He wants us to travel with him. We've got all these, like a lot of AFL teams and rugby teams hitting us up and That's doing sick. all these things. And so it's really, really exciting. It's, I'm glad we're expanding out. Not for the fact I love the fighters, but now that we can kind of apply these principles to other sports. Yep. Yeah. So for the business, I guess that uh, train aid, we're, we're expanding out. I, I guess I'll drop it here, but like the hydration was always a big thing. The next biggest problem that I found with these guys, and you guys will appreciate this from training boxing, is like it's so intense energy-wise. Mm. So you have to take in something, and it's very hard to digest that and swallow that. So we've been working for like 18 months making like an intra-workout carbohydrate electrolyte drink. Train aid, we're dropping that. In February, we finally got that formula figured Active. out. So that's like for – and that's not just for like fighters. That's all – every intra-workout, we yep. want to start launching that out. And then myself, I've got this next big run in June, end of June, locking in a 100-mile BTU. It's probably one of the biggest ones, one of the tougher ones, 10,000 metres of climbing or something. <laughs> stuff here. It finishes at Kangaroo Point Stairs. I'm pretty sure we run <laughs> past here, if I'm being honest. We the run somewhere around here. So the if you boys are up here, I'll run past it. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a very depleted way. Yeah, <laughs> mate, the Kangaroo Point Stairs are the literal last thing I can imagine doing after a fucking 100-mile It's funny. 100 I, mile I live run. in Kangaroo Point. So I remember years ago when I moved in there, walking on that day of that race and there was these signs and I was like, it was kind of when I just got into running and I was like, BTU, what is this? And I remember looking over the stairs, seeing these like little zombies skulls yeah. coming up and this one bloke just going over the side, just going, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's, that's fucked. Those I'll never stairs, do that. It's going to be me. Yeah, yeah. We do, we do a 6K loop from the top, like around the river, back to the bottom of the stairs and we've been doing it for like a year and the stairs don't get any easier at the end of it. They are yeah. fucking torture. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I can't imagine doing 160Ks prior. We'll have a bloke at the top once I get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. We'll be waiting at the top <laughs> for you. Uh, nah, mate, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I feel like we could just sit here and fucking talk for hours and hours and hours, Fuck but yeah. we really appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, everyone, make sure you grab some train aid and uh, check Geordie out on Instagram and everywhere else. And good luck for the year with the business and the big race. Fucking nice. I nah, appreciate it, boys. Looking forward to seeing you guys step in the ring too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> 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 Cheers, mate. <laughs> That's a good finish. <laughs> Clotzy, have you heard about the brand new way to make money? No. Do you want to hear about it? Yes, please tell me more. It's a foolproof method. Foolproof? Yeah, foolproof. Yeah. Foolproof is yeah. the word I'm looking for, method. Uh, it's called going to dominoes.com.au and entering the, the code BBB2DL and getting two pizzas and two sides from $25 delivered. Oh, so you're basically getting it for free. You're basically getting it for free. You're basically making money at that price. They're giving it away. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why I haven't done it before. It's one of the fucking simplest life hacks I've ever I've ever come across in my life. Uh, do you want to tell the lovely people about their brand new pizza, the Philly cheesesteak? Oh my God, yes I do. The Philly cheesesteak. Now, for those who don't know what a Philly cheesesteak is, it's this glorious thing on a bun usually with uh, a bunch of nicely finely chopped up meat and just uh, capsicum peppers and cheese and Domino's have just gone where we've heard klutzy talk about philly cheesesteaks way too many times so we've chucked it on a pizza so the big fella can just keep eating and eating and eating i've seen klutzy get very very excited over food plenty of times but i've never (laughs) seen him get as excited and as animated as the first time he tried the philly cheesesteak pizza so if you're out and about this weekend and you need your pizza fix make sure you go to domino's uh try the philly cheesesteak pizza there's a host of codes which are pinned on our instagram and in our facebook group to give you a cheeky little discount too 
uh, plenty of different bundles. So check them out. And thank you to Domino's for supporting the show this week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.